welcome to Conscript's Corner, our 40k podcast where we get some news and views from some regular conscripts and from the mid-tables of the tournament scene. I'm your host today, Mike, and I've got our regular conscript, Hugh, and our nurgling, who's apparently now become a thousand son, Benedict. Hi, guys. Hello. Morning. Have we managed to do any exciting hobby this week? Indeed, I've received my copy of Indomitus and have started the uh, Unending Legions of the Necrons. I have uh, 20 warriors in front of me at the moment. I'm having quite a lot of fun with the Games Workshop texture paints, putting on kind of thick carbuncles of corrosion onto bronze and then making it look like verdigris. And this morning I trod on my Illuminator's Eris, so having been bits in front <laughs> okay. of me and uh, trying to reassemble him as we speak. That's so tragic. <laughs> Well, that's your punishment for betraying the Chaos Gods, Benedict. Like, that's just really to be expected. They move in mysterious ways. <laughs> Destruction of one's enemies isn't all that mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. How about you, Hugh? Well, I'm still trying to piece together a diorama for the base of my Valkyrie. So we've got a fantasy orc with two meat cleavers uh, facing down a Praetorian cavalryman. But I've been trying to strip the... Uh, old bad paint job from my 12 year old self from the arm of a rough rider when you could still do mail to order guardsman rough riders so that's been an interesting uh, challenge to try and get the different elements of that piece together because none of the pieces quite fit what by using uh, parts from anvil industries parts from warhammer fantasy and then some odd imperial guard bits to fit together so the challenge of that diorama is coming together nicely oh and some gravel from my drive to uh, really add some texture to it and also it weighs down the base of the valkyrie nicely so apart from that i've been i've been outside guys because the weather's been quite nice i know it's weird for you too <laughs> i have also been outside <laughs> i've been swimming in the sea take that oh. Oh, yeah. very adventurous wow i mean yeah. that, that's exciting though Hugh. i was say, i mean i i so missed the bit store that was uh, a fantastic thing there back in the day like i'm building a, a land raider this week so that's been very exciting but it's second hand so i'm missing one or two little bits so yeah. being able to order those individual parts would be great wouldn't it be nice if gw cared about the modeling experience like that would be amazing <laughs> wouldn't it like <laughs> i just have another 50 quid for another land raider and then we'll be sorted yeah. Yeah, or shave down some sprues from Benedict's Indomitus set. Just like keep building it up like a kind of pallet fence just to fill in the bits you don't have. I'm sure that'll look great on the Custodes. <laughs> yeah, well, they are notoriously ramshackle, aren't they? So this week we thought we'd have a chat about um, some actual games we've had, haven't we, guys? And maybe look at how we can build armies better for 9th edition, how it might be a bit different to 8th, and go through some of the secondaries since that's sort of a thing we've talked about previously might need to build around there. So let's start with our most recent game, Benedict, where you got out of the Thousand Suns. Oh my goodness, they're so good. <laughs> I was a little bit scared coming into ninth because the the two really big things that kind of hurt the Thousand Suns are the loss of the Brotherhood of Psychers giving making them immune to the plus one to cast on Smite, and because of the loss of the Supreme Command Detachment or the, the changing of it, which I thought would affect us quite badly. Smite, I found, is fine because we have about 35 spells to choose from, I think, when you count them all up. <laughs> so, actually, yes, while, while the game was against Custodes, where you want to smite spam, it really it didn't affect me that much at all. In fact, it's quite nice to be forced to use the other powers. 
and yeah well i can't just take like randomly like five characters in a detachment anymore i can still fit a fair few in and probably the the amount i should be taking and of course magnus is a supreme commander so he is uh, even easier to fit in now yeah, did those rubric good. marines share their face as well benedict I, I took 35. Um, yeah, that, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you faced them at the end of 8th uh, of edition, didn't you? Yeah, it was awful. It was so awful. <laughs> to be fair, I deployed terribly, but I'd never faced Rubric Marines. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a squad of guardsmen and a leaving us demolisher up front. I'm sure they can handle that. They, they couldn't it turns out so uh that was that that was a fun first turn so we had the smiting destroying lots of the bulgrin's uh, capacity to resist and then the rubric marines kind of mopped everything else up so end of turn one my left flank was totally collapsed so not gonna make that mistake again but yeah God, they're <laughs> devastating aren't they, benedict absolutely devastating yeah well the the list i've been taking is all about threat saturation so i i played uh mike and you with kind of virtually the same list there were one or two mm-hmm. changes coming into ninth but i have magnus who you know if you don't kill him you lose because he's a Primarch. Um, nope. Playing against Mike, he got some incredibly jammy, invulnerable save rolls <laughs> as well. Um, so there, there was certainly some luck involved, but yeah, he was beastly. I also have a block of 10 Scarab Occult Terminators, um, which are also now incredibly strong. And uh, because I take, in my comp games, I take Cult of Duplicity, which allows them to uh, use the spell Sorcerer's Facade to teleport nine inches away from any enemy units. Turn one, I've warped on Magnus right up into charge distance. I've got 10 Scarab Occult there. Um, I've got a sorcerer with uh, an exalted sorcerer with Dark Matter Crystal who can teleport up to the Scarab Occult to give them plus one to hit and spell support and all of that. And I've infiltrated a unit of 20 Rubrikai nine inches from the enemy deployment zone. So there's just too much to kill, and they're all so resilient. Um, it's kind of... And then in the backfield, your other Rubrikai, who are quite tanky, they can be teleporting around into different table quarters to fulfill objectives. They can get on the objectives themselves. It's such a versatile list. And that after those changes in Psychic Awakening, getting access to that teleporting spell, it's it's a whole new army. Absolutely. Well, I think that was something I found for sure, that since it's so mobile and so tanky, you play the mission really well for ninth, since the ninth edition missions are more about holding that middle of the board and holding those. So we played um, Ascension, which is the mission which has got four objectives, uh, north, south, east and west. And that, with quite a short deployment zones actually really too, meant that you were in my face turn one with everything. And that was just sort of quite a lot to deal with, even for, for the Adeptus Custodes. So, I mean, I was running... Trajan Valoris and I packed in. Trajan, of course, giving his lovely rerolls. Captain being tanky since he's uh, nine wounds with a two plus save, a three plus invuln save, and a five plus heal my pain. I'm going to absorb quite a lot of damage. And then alongside that, I had seven Alaris Terminators, five bikes, and uh, two big bricks of Custodian Guard. Now, the idea of the list was to you know run them up with a banner and drop in the Alaris. Maybe in that game, I think he was trying to take out Magnus quite early. If I got lucky with a nice stooping dive, then remove him and uh, j- just then from there be able to push up the board and hold that middle essentially for long enough to to not die. Especially since the Alaris Terminators have got things like ignore AP minus one two, which negates those bolters on your uh, room raise quite nicely. And the bikes are toughness six, so if I do minus one strength on them, they again make your bolters only win or sixes. And I've got lots of strats that can actually you know, whether a lot of your shooting, it's just your psychic powers if it's there, and Magnus if he's still up, 
I'm going to do a real number on me. Um, but that didn't really go to plan. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's be real. Thousand Sons versus Custodes. It's never been a very good matchup for Custodes. And I think kind of the move to ninth has just made it even worse. Because, of course, there's the vulnerability to mortal wounds. Like, it's not going to go away. It's always there. But I just felt that because you have such a smaller force than me, I, I was able to completely surround you and take the midboard and all the quarters of the board. And you didn't have enough forces to divert in different directions you could only kind of go one or two ways and mm. you couldn't respond to all the th threats i put around you and i i just kind of felt bad for you really it was uh <laughs> and, and i i made quite a few mistakes as well and it's just i, I rolled well and yeah. just the thousand suns are really good <laughs> well i think it also played into the secondaries we took right because i think you took a lot of secondaries that you could do regardless of what i did Whereas yeah. mine were potentially too aggressive, the secondary picks I went for. So, this is you, I went for, you know, Bore the Witch, because I've got no psychers, and I'll try and kill your psychers. Since that gives five points for every psycho character, I know I've got to kill Magnus, I've got to kill Aravind, so that's ten, I should at least be getting. If I don't need that, they're probably lost. And then, alongside that, I went for Scramblers, which might have been a mistake with that list. So, that's uh, from an action, essentially, my deployment zone, your deployment zone, and the middle. And... I should have maybe outflanked one of my units of custodian guard to do that late game and make sure I got that. I got it, but it was difficult and it meant I had to move the way it wasn't really optimal. And then the last one I went for was uh, While We Stand We Fight, which didn't work out very well when Magnus got to that middle of the board. And sure, the Alaris were there and they did a good amount of damage, but um, Magnus was also there and they didn't really like that uh, very much at all. <laughs> Yeah, so if you don't kill him, he can heal like up to six wounds per turn through uh, temporal did. manipulation and sorceress infusion stratagem, and like and with a three of involve minus one to hit, like he's 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 good. There there are certainly lists that can kill him in one turn still, uh, particularly if they get first turn. I'm looking at Hugh's basilisk heavy <laughs> list with a relic of lost Cadia, which just makes me heap piles of salt on the table every time I face it. <laughs> Although the Basilisks aren't as good as they used to be, but I'm sure we can cover that and when we move on to the Custodes versus the Guard list. But Mike, did you actually manage to take out Magnus is the key question here. I did eventually kill Magnus, but seriously, I cannot believe how many invulnerable saves you had yeah. in your way. So, I mean, I think I made a couple of key mistakes. So I shot him with my bikes first turn, but I used some Melter missiles and went for um, choose the highest 2-6 damage. Whereas really I should have gone for the salvo launches and got more shots, so at least got some more damage through. I think they did like four wounds, which wasn't really enough to make a difference. No. Um, I thought I'd actually got really lucky because he brought Magnus in and I made a stooping dive into Magnus with my bikes, which oh. normally, as we know, is, is quite big. And they yeah. took like 12 wounds off him, 13 wounds off him. It was, it was, he had like three wounds left, nothing much. But then he got a bit lucky and killed three Alaris. I think it was three Alaris Terminators, was it, on his, on his swing? Yeah. Um, the three Alaris who were left also went into him, but didn't do anything. So that was exciting. And then he just sat there for the rest of the game and come up with these bikes, gradually whittling them down. So I thought I'll try and charge him with Trajan. If he fights first, he'll kill a couple of bikes, and I definitely won't kill him. If I get to fight with Trajan first, I'll probably be fine. I still had the opportunity to fight twice with Trajan at that point, I think. But Trajan did zero wounds, and then Trajan died. So, so that was that, really. <laughs> Um, the three Alaris Terminators that were left did manage to kill him in the end, but it took three turns, I think, and that's just too long. Yeah, it's too long. Do you think Magnus drew too much of your attention then? 
or do you think it's the case you just kind of had to remove that threat okay so this is another this is your favorite tactic isn't it Benedict which is if you put something large and threatening on the board your opponent panics and piles everything into it whereas in reality that might not be the best play yeah yield distraction can't effects right but this is the issue with primarchs like they're great every they're a bullet magnet but you do actually have to kill them as well yeah i think in that game i i don't know i was kind of quite getting into the fact that he was just in the middle of the board killing everything i could what i could have done is just follow him back with warp time and taken out another unit at the back and he's titanic so he can still fall back and cast psychic powers um, uh, as well so that you know maybe if i was being a bit more tactical i'd done that but you know i was i was just quite enjoying i had him araman and a demon prince like in the middle of the table with surrounded by hordes of rubricite it was very cinematic nice and fluffy isn't it magnus the red destroying all before him like it fits the fluff of the narrative of the game as well which is nice absolutely i mean they didn't they just didn't get through him quick enough i mean that was something that hurt me that i couldn't fall the bikes back and then carry on shooting which is obviously something i was used to in last edition but now uh it's not something that's compared with the fly keyword so those bikes also actually were sort of stuck and that was my main mobile unit and maybe actually i would have been better off just leaving the alaris to slowly die next to him and flying those off, losing a turn of their shooting is sure, but then having them to fight the Reaper in the back line who were getting you points might have been a better play. It was actually an, an interesting game to play compared to my game with Hugh at the end of 8th, because um, against Hugh's guard list, it was kind of like he was scared of the psychic powers, but it was actually all the bolters of the Rubricai and the Terminators that I think did most of the work. Yeah, um, like they could, they could delete a Russ, they could clear his screens. Whereas like, you know, smites against guard isn't actually that good. No. Whereas against monks custodies, obviously the smites are great, but it was your ability to pop the strats that negate minus two AP, which 99% of my guns are minus two AP. So actually the, the Rubicai weren't really doing very much offensively. They just were standing in objectives and not dying. Well, this is, another, this is another point about the Thousand Suns, I think, especially against Guard, is that with that minus 2 AP on lots of your weapons means that most of your army can pretty much shoot at anything in my Guard list and be effective, whereas I have to be very careful about what I shoot at what to kind of maximise it. So it's that kind of element to it as well, in that you can kind of use lots of your units for different things. I'm not saying you make mistakes, but maybe it's more forgiving if you end up deploying badly. I definitely I, make mistakes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's fair being diplomatic Benedict. but yeah no i had a bad deployment to start with and just got crushed because of it because my instupidity to begin with because i didn't appreciate what those rubric means could do the first time i faced them and yeah. because of that i was like okay so they'll delete a guard squad then they'll delete a rust then they'll like delete some artillery then they'll like knock out some bulgrin as well and it's like this it's, it's a very simple but effective way of just removing lots of parts of the guard list because they're just not as resilient as your two lists and i would have been interested to sit in on your two on the game that you two had because the custodies and the thousand sons are both very tough and i wonder if it was quite different for you mike playing against an army that is as tough maybe even tougher than the custodies because your guys were just like not taking many wounds to the guard salvos were they when you played me it was they're, they're so resilient and this is the thing with having the big the big blocks of magnus who can heal of the the terminators and the rubricai um i can bump if you target if you go all in on killing like one infantry unit i can give it a three up invul respond yeah. or i can give like two of them four up yeah. or they might have a three up anyway because you're firing last guns whatever it is they can i just have so many options with thousand suns to make people strong 
And I think the other thing you touched on with deployments, that's another really powerful um, tool the Cult of Duplicity have. I can infiltrate my Rubricai nine inches away from your deployment zone. But then now with the changes to ninth, you no longer know for definite who's having first turn. But with the mm. unique Warlord trait, Duplicitous Tactician, I can respond to your deployment and to perhaps not to getting first turn by redeploying my Rubicai to safety. And then because I have the spell to teleport them and Dark Matter Crystal, I can teleport them back. It's so... It's very strong. Very good. I think it's really interesting where they sit in the meta because they obviously have got a large, if I have got psychic powers, which put them up there, essentially. They've got a lot of offense and they're quite durable and sticky, essentially. They're not going to move very easily. But equally, things like sisters who have ignored people on the entire army are going to just not care. Um, because they've got bodies, they can deny psychic powers with a couple of strats, they've got, you know, different options to actually fight that. Or Marines have got enough firepower to actually, you know, if you deployed Magnus, for example, then just blasting off the board to begin with. So it's it's a weird one where they're, they're, they've got some very bad matchups, but also some quite good matchups in that top tier, which is probably prevent them from reaching an S tier, but they're definitely up there at like A or A tier. <laughs> I, oh I think my personal view is that Cult of Duplicity is S tier. I'll be interested to see how how people do with it. I think the rest of the army is probably A, but I think Duplicity is so... Just for the way yes. Ninth is played now, the ability to get on any objective pretty much, mm. and yeah. the killing power I have, they don't have to waste money on transports anymore because they just have that built in, so you can just take more Rubricai. It's... I think they're just hard to paint so people don't play them as much. <laughs> I love that theory. So what you're saying is, Mike, is you're going to start a sister's army so that you can beat Benedict and therefore retain your position as the commissar and the one that's meant to be teaching us how to play? Like... Uh, sure, sure. Um, now, what I will do, though, is I have, of course, changed my list a little bit after after that match. I mean, as uh, I had a couple of games versus Nids and I've had a game versus Yuhu since then. And I think one of the things I was really missing... There's two things I was really missing. One, I had too much threat in two big packages. So I had a big unit of bikes and a big unit of Alaris. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually I'm much better off having three to four credible threats that need to be targeted and can spread out on those objectives that are actually quite far apart rather than the two big hammers, which you might have been using in eighth, for example. And that's something that your list man had in spades, right? You had Magnus, who was a big threat. You had your 20 guys, who was a big threat. You had your 10 terminators, who was a big threat. And they could be everywhere at once and get you engaged in all fronts, which you maxed, I think, actually, and get you, you know, behind enemy lines if you want to as well. So I've added, essentially, I've dropped a couple of Alaris, and I've dropped one bike, and I've now got, instead of uh, that list, I've added in two Caladius tanks. So that gives me some actual way to engage at range, so I can play a bit cager if I want to which might have been useful versus your army if I go screen out the backfield for a turn and then gone up. And I've uh, also got the options to, because they're 14-inch move and they minus two to charges, do a bit more board control with that too. What did you decide on your assassin choice? Because oh, I've just we killed it. After the game. It's, yeah. it's gone. So I had an assassin in the game versus you, obviously I took a uh, Calidus. And essentially dropping her let me um, fit those Clady in. And that was just better, I found. Uh, the Calidus, you know... Did not make lost you maybe two CP, which wasn't worth a hundred points really. I don't think she had nothing apart from that. The Kaladi I instead actually make you play the game differently and give me options that I didn't have before. I got, I think that's the right choice. Um, it was annoying playing against the Kaladus, uh, uh, but we we both have such kind of CP hungry armies that there was quite a nice point in the game where the my perfidious tome relic which gives me a an extra cp on a four up at the beginning of each battle round but gives my opponent 
a CP if I roll a one. Did give Mike a CP, which allowed him to get on the key strat. <laughs> he wouldn't otherwise have been able to play. Was but, uh, it was, yeah. I can hear the rage <laughs> still in your voice, Benedict. Well. It was, oh no, I loved it. It's very, very Sinchian, you know. <laughs> That's good. That's why I take it. It gave me like five, four or five CP. No, four CP it gave me because I got it every other turn. So, <laughs> I mean, put it this way: it's gonna, on average, you know, there's five turns a game. Gonna give you two or three CP and then give me one. That's probably fine. Yeah, I think it. when I went against Hugh as well, it also gave me like three CP. It was uh... yeah, 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 no, it's a good relic. Because I'm, I'm not going to throw my teddy out the pram about relics, Benedict, uh, which I know is your favourite <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> my immaculately painted Primarchs cry every time I you, but maybe that's a good opportunity to discuss uh, Hugh's list and uh, how that's evolving. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So Hugh, what was, uh, what were you running? I think evolving is the right term for it because I'm still working out what kind of works in ninth because we've mentioned my basilisk spam favorite list from before but that worked well because of vigilus which unfortunately isn't there anymore so yeah I think the ba- the days of the basilisks in my list might be numbered because it didn't do a lot of work for, for me against you did it Mike with the custodies I'm not sure I'm not sure whether it was effective at any point really but the manticore that was on the table actually did a lot of good work so yeah we had a basilisk of manticore with three demolishers two squads of infantry in chimera and then two 30 squads blobs of conscripts and then those were kind of buffed with some psychers and inquisitor and then various company commanders and priests and things I think I'd like to play that list again to use the conscripts and the infantry more effectively and also maybe think about where I'm placing my demolishers and things because the issue is with a guard army you need to deploy it properly because otherwise it gets whacked very quickly and or you don't get to use all its different component parts because I've had my fingers burnt both ways either playing the demolishers too aggressively and putting them up front or too restrictively and meaning they can't actually shoot in the first term because they're too busy hiding so that was the list that i ran and i enjoyed it i think if i were doing it again though i'd try and squeeze in a second manticore because that was actually very useful and the invun saves we managed to get on the conscripts was great because it actually made them probably the most resilient unit in my army at one point the conscripts that were like 30 of them holding an objective and just depriving mike of that which is quite good and again it was a bit similar to what you were saying benedict in terms of the number of units meant that Mike had to make a choice about what he chose to fight. And throughout most of the game, he was able to fight most of it. But towards the end, when we're both being thinned out, I had some sounds on one side of the board that were just far away uh, from Mike's custodies and then had these conscripts again. And I came to a point where it's like, OK, they're just going to sit there now and can't really have anything done to them because Mike has to concentrate on other elements. So maybe if I can lean into that more, maybe I can steal a victory from Mike in those ways. But yeah, you just edged me out at the end, didn't you, Mike, at the end of that game? Absolutely. I think it came at, what was it, 79, 72 or something very close? Like that? Was it yeah, it was, I think I thought it was 82, 75 to you. Um, yeah, so very, very close. Yeah. So I think the thing with that game was, so I was playing um, very similar list again. So I had a Cladius and I had Trajan, a bike captain. Uh, again, took me through tanky build with nine wounds. And uh, then one unit of Guardians with two shields and a spear, a banner. We managed them to hit. Obviously, most of them to hit is so powerful against guard, it's untrue. Oh, and nice. then, <laughs> then six Alaris Terminators now, five bikes, all the salvo launchers, and one of each type of Caladius. And um, that essentially, as I say, it let me do 
the thing where I could hold back and stop the forces a bit more easily. So it was mission 11, it was retrieval mission, so there's six objectives, but there's none in the centre. So what I found was I could then go up to one objective with a little tag team of Bike Cap and a Claudius, and then the other Claudius could guard and shield for my characters, my, my vital banner. I went second in that game, so we hit behind scoring terrain turn one and then uh, flew over the top turn two with the banner behind him and the bikes behind that so they could if i got a chance to do a sleeping dive didn't come up this game but hey and then um i was i was so impressed again with the amount of firepower they can do against anything that doesn't have an invulnerable save because i don't know the about entirety you. of the guard army <laughs> yeah exactly right like i don't know about you Hugh, but i was i was actually a bit shocked at how much damage that ap4 firepower did honestly because the salvo bikes what deleted one Lehman Russ and half killed a Chimera, and then the Arachnus killed another Chimera, another tank commander, and yeah. then the other uh, Clavius killed another Chimera. Yeah. That was just the shooting. I was like, okay, well, that was um, half yeah. a guard army gone. Well, and that's it with guard armor. It just doesn't stand. And I think this is like one of the weaknesses of guard in like what well, it has been for a while. It's just everything else seems to have got better and the Lehman Rust, because it's basically from the First World War, has stayed the same. And the trouble is like it just it just can't weather these kind of storms that like both Custodies and Thousand Suns can throw at it anymore. Of course that's I mean, my fault for leaving them vulnerable, but far be it from the Thousand Suns player to complain, but it is yeah. pretty rare to come up against something in like ninth and end of eighth that doesn't have an invulnerable save. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a shock when you actually have that big AP weaponry and it does cut through it <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah right like so as i say salvo launches at ap minus four re-roll to wound versus vehicles and i can make them 2d6 choose the highest damage and weirdly that does quite a lot of work to yeah those, rust those tanks aren't it. staying yeah they're not staying there at all so um that was a really interesting game as you say because the conscripts are so durable right like i mean people have said hordes dead but it's it's not dead it's, it's definitely not dead especially hordes like that so the trick with those conscripts is isn't it that you have mm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you have the Lord Commissar who is the Warlord, and yep. if he has the Warlord trait where he can give an order, he doesn't have a regiment. And the orders bit says that regiment commanders ordering conscripts um, have to roll a four plus to get the order off, but he's not regiment, so he just orders them and they do it, which is quite yep. nice to start with, so they can move with move, you know wherever they need to. Well, it gives commissars a use again, doesn't it? Because in 8th, it was sort of like, why would I take these, unfortunately? Like, they just well, they got nerfed, didn't they? Because of, like, conscript spam originally. Which is quite a shame, because it's quite nice and fluffy for the guards to be running hundreds of conscripts. But hey-ho. But yeah, go on, Mike. But then you also take Kotias, who has a spell which goes off on a 6+, plus, which gives a Imperium infantry or biker unit a 5+, plus memorable save. And you can combo that with the spell from the Astropath, Psychic Barrier, which then improves saves, including immunable saves, by one. So it gives them a four plus immunable save and a blob of 30 conscripts. Now, that just means, that <laughs> which is great. Um, and of course, that also gives them a four plus save. And then you took the um, the guard's custom trait, which gives them always counters in cover. So they have three plus armor at that point. And then you can use the stratagem take cover to give them a two plus, four plus plus. Yeah. There you go, Benedict. That's the uh, that's the smite fixer for facing thousand suns. Is thirty conscripts with that amount of saving power. So, so what's the law justification for that survivability? <laughs> the emperor protects. Benedict. <laughs> yes, well, well played. 
Exactly. So, I mean, that gives you a lot of board control, essentially. So, as I say, that was a six-objective mission, but you pushed up a flank, essentially, with these 30 gun scripts, and they just, they're a wall. You can't cut through them. We thought I had on that flank, so I had a tank on that flank and a, and a bike commander. But cutting through that was just impossible with them. No. When they had their 4 plus set invul and 2 plus save, you can't do much about it. That's why I was ahead for the first few turns, is because I was able to expand with the guard, and that's something they are very good at, is getting onto objectives if you order them properly. So I was able to expand and hold a lot of objectives at the end of my first turn, and then I had those two blobs just sitting there on two of them, and then the backfield ones are going to be mine for a while. So again, off the bat, I'm immediately racking up those points, which is really important in that isn't it absolutely that's the thing with that army it's not necessarily the killiest thing in the world though you know three demolition cannons will remove chunks of an army at a time yeah but they let you play the primary mission really well and that's half the points you know that's the whole ones and then they also let you do things like um raise the banners really easily and also got you engaged in all fronts most turns of the game as well because you were in those four quarters because you could chuck them up where needed yeah, because you don't care if the conscripts aren't shooting because you've ordered them to advance or move, move, move. Why, why, why would you care? Because they're not hitting anything. Because occasionally I did use them to fire at your custodies, right? So the conscripts were hitting on fives or something. And what, from how many shots was it? I think it was like around 50 lasgun shots. How many it's wounds like, did I get out of that? Was it maybe one? one? Yeah. <laughs> Like it just didn't matter. <laughs> no, yeah, because yeah, when you're running your when you're rolling your two plus aves, like if you've got a blob of conscripts firing at you, that's just that's basically being on a sunbed at that point, isn't it? Like it doesn't really matter. But no, I thought I played mission really well, and that's why you you know were quite close to us at the end. I mean, I took um I took grind down, I took assassinate because you had two astropaths, an inquisitor, a priest, and three tank commanders who all gave up three points for, for assassinate, and then I took my final one i also took engagement all fronts and engagement all fronts was a bit of a wash for me i got like eight on it i think it wasn't massive but it was okay but grind them down i scored every turn because you had that many units and yeah uh, assassinated max as well but as you I say you also maxed out two of your secondaries because engagement fronts you got every time pretty much yeah. especially with your science dropping at the back yeah. and then you also took raised banners high which you know got you a similar eight or so and that was enough to keep you in there for a long time if you were also maxing the primary. Yeah, this is true. I should say as well, Scions are great. Every time I've played them, they've been effective. I think the if I were playing that list again, though, I'd try and find a way to squeeze more plasma into the Scion squads because I had four <laughs> squads of Scions, Benedict, two fully plasmed up and two sort of normal. And the two fully plasmed up ones um, did a fair bit of damage and the normal ones really didn't. What was also interesting as well is Mike was basically forced to use some of his CP to make the first plasma squad less effective. And then the second one did a lot more damage. I can't remember what they blew up uh, off the top of my head, Mike. You probably can. It took yeah. out one of the plating. Yeah, this yeah. is it. So, yeah, they, they drop in at the back of the board and they, they can take out custodies vehicles, which is just amazing. So, yeah, if I'd maybe had three plasma squads rather than the four with two plasma squads and two normal that could have even been more effective and maybe they would have lasted a bit longer as well because we were trying out the different kind of doctrines for scions weren't we saying oh yeah on a six it was a mortal wound for them shooting with the hot lot hot shot las guns was it mike yeah so that was london lion strategy yeah london lion strategy but six is the wound wound, and therefore it bypasses the custodies arm as a yeah exactly which is great, and I don't like talking about luck because the dice should be able to, if you planned it well, you shouldn't need it right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. with um, with that, it didn't get off, and the trouble is if you're only rolling a handful of dice for 
four uh, normal scions um, with hotshot las guns. Your chances aren't high enough of you getting those uh, of you them having the impact that you want them to because you're not going to roll four sixes realistically, or you're not going to do that consistently. So yeah, if I were doing it again, I think I'd go more plasma heavy on the scions if possible, and probably drop that basilisk. But this takes us quite nicely into other elements of ninth which is the manticore was very useful because of the changes in the rules to characters for long-distance sniping, Benedict. Custodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely right, because Custodes once, um, once that bomb's down, for example, I'm not going to be screening that banner necessarily very well because, you know, he's he's not doing anything for me anymore apart from the minus one to hit. And it's also a bit difficult to maybe, since Custodes is such a lone model cat army, get everything screened still once you get carry on the game. And therefore, manticore did quite a number doesn't it yeah i think did it, it definitely killed two characters kill the maybe. banner and it yeah. also killed the bike captain in the end actually yeah in fact no sorry yeah. the bike captain was you took most of half his wounds off him and yeah. the bike captain charged into a tank commander you paid cp to overwatch and it did nothing that was great he took five wounds off it and then your tank commander managed to kill him next turn and shoot him because he was what in combat with him yeah, it was amazing. That's another great thing about Ninth, is tanks stop being useless in combat. That was brilliant. Also, as a fun aside, Benedict, I think most of the vehicles that we had exploded when they were destroyed, and that yes. did a lot of damage to Mike's blob, which is quite satisfying. So, yeah. turn of guard shooting does very little. Manages to plink the last wound off one of the Calidus, and then it blows up and does more damage to all of the units <laughs> around it. <laughs> that was the thing, right? Your first turn of shooting, hit and most of the things from obscuring terrain, you take and I think um, you, you managed to kill one bike and then taken like three wounds off a Gladius and that was it. Yeah. Right? And then you drop those signs in turn two and then blew up the Gladius and then the Gladius exploding killed another bike and it killed one of my guardians at the back and I took three wounds off Trajan and it took two wounds off the banner which is why the banner was able to be sniped with the Manticore. Yeah. It was um, very silly. It's not being able to reroll that dice anymore because yeah. the changes to the reroll is quite big actually. Because you don't have the CP for it, do you? Well, you can't use a CP for that anymore, can you? Because command reroll and works now on to hit to wound damage rolls, psychic test, and die the witch. So yeah. therefore, you can't stop that happening anymore. It's why it changes like Celestine getting up on a four plus, or Gilliman getting up on a four plus, or Tyrannus Knights getting up on a four plus, and nowhere near as good as they used to be because you can't reroll that dice. How did you um, find it, uh, Hugh? Probably having less command points now than you are used to from eighth like the only army that that's affected yeah no this is true because i used to be able just to spend them like monopoly money didn't i which was nice um yeah it's a bit different i think so vigilus not being there as an example and then sort of things you can do with command points from that has obviously changed it i didn't notice an absence too much because there are different elements to the guard army of what you want to do as well i think that maybe i need to learn more of the things i can spend command points on to then optimize those areas but i thought it would hurt me more than i did but different changes means that different elements of ninth mean that i'm more effective in other ways so the smaller board for example is really good for the demolisher and the demolisher has got better so although it's obviously not the same thing in the same area when you lose something in one space i feel like i've gained it in another if that makes yeah. sense definitely Definitely. I mean, those demolition cannons are, are amazing, right? Because you also took yeah. the custom trait for a uh, always in cover on your infantry, and then plus six inches range on all your uh, heavy weapons, which meant those demolishers at 30 inch range, you know, are now covering half the board because it's 60 inches long, whereas before they were less than like a third, essentially. 
Yeah, because you push forward out of your deployment zone and then you're immediately within range, which is quite nice. Whereas previously I've had demolishers and be like, oh, well, I can't actually do anything with them first turn, which kind of sucks. Yeah, they're great now. I think they're um, probably the go-to for the guard tanks, aren't they? Mm. Really interesting. Okay, is there anything you might change about that list in the future here? Because I think you said that you'd probably drop a basilisk. And I think actually if you drop the basilisk and dropped... Um, if you change those heavy flamers on top of the chimera to multi-lasers, that would get you two more squads of plasma sounds. Yeah, which is just worth it, isn't it? Um, I think I don't the pre I didn't really use the priest effectively for like thousands of attacks with conscripts. So I think if if I were going to do that, maybe I'd go run as Katachan to like make them maybe stronger and use the priest for something like that because it would be fun to have like it's that Katachan blob you can run, isn't it? With them being stronger yes. and better in close combat. So I'd be tempted to try something like that at some point. But yeah, I think going forward maybe two manticores and more plasma scions and then see if we can still fit in the kind of unkillable conscript blobs because i think they are quite fun well they're just so good at playing the mission aren't they yeah yeah and yeah they play the mission well and as you were saying benedict this is a distracting factor as well right no one's going to be threatened by 30 conscripts but you do feel the compunction to remove them um even if it's going to be quite difficult and again, playing against you and Smite, for example, it could be quite useful to have them just to draw your smiting powers oh, away. Definitely, that would be brutal against yeah. Thousands, I think. Um, out of interest, have you considered, um, is it Capic Eagles for your Scions, the ones that get them plus one to hit when they disembark from transports? Yeah, so we looked at this and we talked about this in the previous Imperial Guard episode of Conscript's Corner, which you can find if you drop down, like or subscribe. Anyway, we... Uh, <laughs> we we had a look at this and yeah it is those do sound excellent but it's paying the points then for the transport so it's whether i can then justify bringing a valkyrie which i think look really cool but i'm yet to use in a game properly or bringing the torox prime so i think that's the element because i think once i start having to take those transports for the scions it's then going to have a knock-on effect obviously onto what else i can fit and as you know i'm a big fan of the artillery and as of yet, I've not felt a need to put the Scions in transport because I drop them in far enough away from what they need to to shoot. And then because they're guard, they die to a stiff breeze the next turn. But I only need yeah. one turn of shooting out of them to get my kind of points worth, if you see what I mean. So that's been my logic thus far. I mean, obviously, the whole point of this uh, series of podcasts is to indicate my lack of understanding of Warhammer 40k. So I could be entirely wrong. But that's been my <laughs> feeling towards using that at this point i think it's nice and fluffy though and i'd quite like to run a star list at some point that does have that maneuverability and jumping in and out of transports i think that'd be really fun well i think the other argument for it is that maybe those transports are a better use of points than say the chimera and you use them in that yeah. same sort of role instead to just like push forward and hold but they are a bit more pricey i think they're 50 points more than the chimera so i mean they give yeah. you a lot of guns that, but they are then easier to kill because stuff is six rather than stuff is seven so it's swings and roundabouts isn't it yes very good Okay, so yeah, you're going to change that. And I think for me, I'm going to play another couple of games with this list, but then I think I might swap one Caladius out. If I drop one Caladius and an Alaris, I can get a Talamon instead. And the have you know the same guns as the Caladius, but instead be toughness eight and with a four plus invent saver on the five plus. And I think that difference in survivability is probably worth the points. And losing one Alaris because it doesn't hurt that much. So that is where I'm thinking of heading, but tweaks now, I think, for me. I'm quite happy with this list as it's performing recently. So you can face Benedict again and have that rematch you need to reclaim your honour then, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think we're going to have a game at some point this week, aren't we, Benedict? 
You're going to try yes. out some. Um... I am intending to take um, nine Mephitic Blight Haulers and three Playburst Crawlers <laughs> for the <laughs> ultimate death card meme list. Yeah, let's <laughs> see how good those uh, four plus in one save vehicles are. And it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's going to be ridiculous. It's not a list I, I'd play because I, I think it's fun for a, you know, trying it on tabletop simulator, but I don't think I'd enjoy... I, I like my infantry lists, but I, I think... Oh, we'll see. I think we might be seeing that on competitive tables, but... Uh, I think so, too. We've yeah. seen some iterations of it already. There's, um, it's not one thing here, but it's come close a few times. It's, it looks it looks powerful. Okay, so I think what we're going to talk about now was secondaries, essentially. So we've gone over a secondaries we've picked in those games. And I think it's probably important to talk about how we pick them, essentially. Picking them reactively versus you know proactively. Whether you should be choosing them at the table when you see the enemy's army, or you should actually be building around them. So, I mean, Hugh, you're, you've had a couple of games now with them. What do you think? I think you probably need to work out what your army can do realistically, but with that comes with an understanding of who you're likely to be facing. So I think really you're better off picking it kind of proactively, thinking, my list can do this. I know I can move around. I know I can get into these areas, that kind of thing. And I know that I'm good at killing these sorts of things. So that's my knee-jerk reaction on mm. what secondary is going to work because you need to be able to know what your army can do for you to misquote JFK. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. I think that, you know, you can pick one when you get up a table and maybe choose one kill one. Like, say, versus you, I took Assassinate, versus Benedict, I took a ball the Witch. But the rest, you kind of want to build the army to do them, right? So, I mean, that was a problem you actually had with secondaries versus my army. Because mm. those are very hard to pick one against. There's not really yeah. especially target them. No, this is it. All PTC where there was gangbusters, there's not really anything like that at all. Yeah, no, this is this is the issue. So I don't know. I could try and go for like going for characters and keep using the Manticore snipers, but realistically, <laughs> is that going to get yeah. played off? Like, absolutely right. You took engage on all fronts and you took banners, but then yeah, after yeah. that, you've only got no mercy, no respite ones, which have the option of you know, kill 150 models, which doesn't work versus Cassidy's. <laughs> kill more each turn, which isn't going to work. I've got eight units. Nope. Um, or you know, keep your three biggest units alive, which is attack commanders, which I'm going to try and kill. Yeah, or, you know, things not going to happen with guard, is it? Like keeping your tank commanders alive, because uh, they're the yeah. first things you're going. Any anyone you're playing should be trying to remove your tank commanders. Like it's just that's the way it's, the cookie has to crumble, isn't it? Absolutely. And then the purge enemies also ones also don't really work because so since you've got things to assassinate, which means killing three extremely tough characters. I mean, you killed two in the end, so I mean, maybe it would have been worthwhile. But it seems like a big ask, right? You've got to play the game a bit differently to try and do it, and I could have then, you know, tried to hide them more. Or kill vehicles, which maxed out at six, because there's two vehicles. Yeah. Or cut off the head, which is killed that bike captain, and you try to do it yeah. turn one, it wasn't going to happen, was it, you know? No. So I think that's that's something that needs balancing a bit, maybe, more than it has been already, and that uh, GW might have to look at in the future, because there's some categories that just don't work for some armies. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think that maybe. That might be fixed in the codexes, though. Uh, do you think we'll be seeing some custom objectives for each faction? Yeah, so I think they've actually said that already in a live stream at some point. I just hope they uh, don't break the game with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is definitely valid to try and still build your army to minimise the secondaries people can pick against it. So, like, for example, that game we had, Hugh, where I dropped my Alaris in and they sniped out the Inquisitor and your Asaprath, and then they nuked the Mizra and Priest in combat. That was nine points for me. And maybe having less of those small characters if you don't necessarily need them to build is something sensible to do. 
Yeah, this is another point with Guard, is it? Isn't it as well that your characters just aren't as tough as other characters? So you've got to either be very careful about what you choose, so you don't just give your opponent those victory points, or you've got to try and protect them, or that kind of thing. And then the changes in ninth about characters, because I got caught out with this a few times and kind of forgetting that they can be targeted if they're not kind of within three inches of uh, your units and things like this, which is a big change because I'm used to in guard having my company commanders kind of hanging around the back lines pretty much on their own, but making sure they're just not the closest character because that was how you could protect them previously. Whereas now you've got to be much more careful about where you put them, who you blob them up with and those kind of things. Mm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm the same because I've also, I was running great facts on my list of the shilling. Um, but she locks you, because she's a Psyker, she locks you out of taking a Bore the Witch, which is if you've not got any Psykers in your army, yeah, yeah. you can pick this one and then you get five points for killing a Psyker character or three for killing um, a Psyker unit. And like that loss is then that I'm weaker against Psychic armies like Benedict. Yeah. Yeah, which is an so, issue. But it's something I've built around because it opens up the option of getting this relatively easy secondary versus those armies rather than you know, having defense. I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but how did you find picking secondaries? Well, I, I I will say caveat by saying that it was still very very new to ninth. I just got the rule book, so I I hadn't quite computed all of the possible ones I could take. The the thing I took away from it was that um you should pick your secondaries around what your army wants to be doing. So for example, gauge on all fronts, really good for cult of duplicity because you want to be teleporting around the board and have people all over the place. I was doing that anyway. It got me, I maxed it, I think. I was doing it like most terms. It was yeah. great. Um, I, of course, as Thousand Suns had the options to take mental interrogation or psychic ritual. Psychic ritual in particular, uh, where your, your character casts a spell and they can't do anything else. And if they do it three times, you get 15 points, which, you know, can be a very, like, it's risky. It's kind of going risky. all in, but you could do it. However, I'd maybe before when I had a Supreme Command attachment with like five, four, five psychers in, um, I could sacrifice one to just get points. Whereas actually, I wanted that psyker to be doing stuff, to be casting spells, to be contributing more to the battle. And yeah, I know playing the objective is the most important thing, but I thought, you know, there's just other ways I can do that and still gain the benefit from this psyker who's key to buffing my army. Um, and then of course. I think also mission objectives are are always interesting. The the one we played, the mission objective was great and fitted my army really well. So uh, of course I wanted to play that one. I forget was it the one sitting on was it controlling more objectives than your opponent? Yeah, or? so it was vital ground. It was. It was. Um, you scored three BP if you control the objective marker in your opponent's deployment zone, and score two for each objective marker you control that's not an either player deployment zone. And that scored at the start of your command phase. So, like in a game, you know, you've got to be trying to do that primary anyway, which is to hold one objective, hold two objectives, or more. You want to try and control three objectives anyway each turn. So, getting those mm-hmm. two is something sensible to do to begin with. It sounds like from those secondaries and well, just the general objectives you're choosing, those are things you want to be doing anyway, and the way you want to play your Thousand Suns in terms of moving around the board a lot and using all those abilities. So it's wise to choose your secondaries if that's not stupidly obvious to do with the way that you play the game anyway, isn't it? Because when I, whenever we've played, you've always been a very mobile player with that army. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're playing chess and your your king's being threatened by a knight but it can also take like another important piece like a castle and 
I don't want to be put in that position where I know what the right decision is, what I have to do to continue the game, but I'm going to have to like sacrifice something else major to do it. Maybe I want to have my cake and eat it, but it's nice to be able to do exactly what you want to be doing in that turn and also mm. getting the points from it as well. And I know yeah. we're not always going to be in that position, but you know, while you can, you might as well. And I always have, if you are against an army that I've said, I've not played against the variants of factions enough to work out where exactly Thousand Suns fit in against everyone. But if I'm up against an army where I can't score any of the major, you know, kill more objectives or something, then I can just pick Psychic Ritual and think, actually, you know, I can I can sacrifice a few spells each turn to get 15 points max out. I have that option. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I like being able playing to the army's strengths, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing with Gosodis too, right? So Gosodis, like, I'm often drawn to grind them down because I've got eight units. I'm going to kill more because I'm going to lose one unit max a turn versus most people. And whereas I'll probably kill two, so therefore that's quite straightforward. And then I also like to go for you know engagement fronts because apart from anything else, it's what you want to be doing, as you say. You're going to pick those objectives that are just doing your game plan already. So since you're trying to control all these objectives, which are very spread out, they're not in a central point. You're going to be in at least three table quarters most turns of the game to begin with. So you might as well get a point for doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably leads us nicely on to what do we think is the most, impo- uh, most important things when building an army for 9th edition compared to 8th? So, we've talked about one already, but choosing the secondaries is what your army is going to try and do is quite important. So, I mean, an army like Hughes you built uh, is very good at doing the board control ones. Yes. Um, it's engaged in offerings, it's good at banners. Banners, you've, bu- you've built one that's actually quite good at, you know, actually yours is probably very good also at doing uh, the Killmore objective, the Grand Down objective. Um, but he's also good at doing psychic objectives if he wants to, and also good at that board control one again. What else do you think is important for, for making an army of night? Well, I, I can pick uh, three options here. There are board control, board control, and board control, <laughs> <laughs> which you always mentioned a lot. Um, I, I do think I need to play a few more games to maybe work out the other intricacies but if you go all in on board control you're, pro- you're probably fine i think resilience helps with that board control and obviously not all armies can be resilient but even hugh with his conscripts <laughs> is finding out like yes resilience is key to making them work and you know i think i do suffer a little bit maybe of bias towards this one as a lot of the armies i collect are very resilient because when i spend ages painting a model i don't like seeing it die <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm going to look well sadly at my 80 guardsmen at this point. Like, just thinking how quickly they get taken off the board, Benedict. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've, um, I'm currently, I've got, I'm painting 20 Necron warriors. I've ordered another 30, <laughs> so I'm going to be in the same place, but hoping that they, they come back to life. But yeah, it's really, it's just that I've, I've always played resilient lists that have quite a lot of utility and. That's just how ninth is now. So I'm I personally, I'm in a very good place. But I'd, I'd be interested to hear what what else uh, you think is uh, kind of vital and how I can incorporate that into my list. It's that resilience is the most important thing now, since it's units that are good at getting to an objective in the first place and then staying there longer than your opponent's units stay there, essentially, right? So this is why Guard have sort of lost out a little bit, although conscripts with four plus ones help a lot, is that. In 8th edition, when you scored hold essentially at the end of a turn, you could move and move 10 infantry onto an objective and then get it, and that was your, your holding. Whereas now, that is definitely not enough to get the objectives because they'll be blown off the objective in your t- in the opponent's turn, and then you don't get any points. 
So it's units like those and custodians, but also things like Death Guard, which obviously jumped up the ranks a lot, things like Thousand Sons, things like Marines, but more specifically Gravis Armour Marines, things with three wounds, are really that sort of sweet spot, I think. Things that can be quick, but also are very tough and sticky to hard to remove. And this is going to be kind of even more multiplied by all the, the firstborn getting uh, uh, an extra wound, um, it, which I'm is. very excited about. My, my guys, I think it's right. I don't think I should be able to take 35 Rubik Marines and 10 Terminators <laughs> and a bunch of characters. I think, I think an increase in a, by a wound and a, and a reasonable points increase is probably the right thing to do for the army. Um, but yeah, I'll be very excited to, uh, to be taking even chunkier Marines. Yeah, I mean, a points increase is going to need to happen because they're going to be insane <laughs> with two wounds and the, a uh, three plus in one save otherwise. And I dread Death Guard with a uh, with two wounds. I don't know what I don't know what you do with that. It's definitely law friendly. It's just they're now <laughs> they've been buffed to. I feel like they've been buffed to be able to function with resilience despite having one wound, and now they're getting two wounds. Uh, but yeah. you know, we'll probably yeah. just see a, a hefty points increase, and it'll all be fine. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, it's things like um, Bright Lord Terminators in that Plague Company, which lets you get minus one damage as a strat as well. And I'm like, if they get another wound and then they're minus one damage, and then, and then they have, you know, Plague Surgeon nearby for everyone ones are discussing your resilient, they're going to be impossible to shift. Like, literally yeah. impossible to shift. I don't know how you remove them. There's nothing really in the game that kills that easily. So it's yeah. going to be interesting. Well, resilience is obviously key, but I think at the risk of saying something else that's obvious, but maybe you two are able to take for granted with your two armies at the moment, is damage output. And mm. that's something I'm going to be thinking about a lot with my guard list going forward in ninth, because when I don't have the same resilience, because uh, obviously you can buff the conscripts and that's nice and that's fun and it's all good fun. I can't do that on the whole army. It's just not happening. And I've already mentioned before the rust in terms of struggling to keep them alive. So really, if something's only going to be there for a turn, it has to do something in that turn. It's not very forgiving for the guard to be able to... They, they don't have that capacity to stick around a lot. So I think that's why, going forward, I want to be taking more Plasma Scions or taking the Manticore over the Basilisk. Or again, bringing back in my Bulgrin Blob, because I think they... Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, I think they are the only thing in the Guard Codex with an innate invon save on those shields. They absolutely um, yeah, so I think they need to be in there as well for their resilience and for their kind of damage output. So I think that's what I really felt I was lacking yeah. in that list because I think the only units that really did any work for me were Demolisher Cannons, my Manticore, and in terms of killing enemy units, the Scions, and then your own vehicles when they exploded. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of like cumulative damage done to the army, it's a concern when you're doing that, when you roll a six on your tanks, almost as much as some of my other units are capable of. So yeah, I think that's that's a guard-specific point. Is okay, you have to think about if this is going to die at the end of the set, because like, lots of your army is going to die at the end of like the enemy's first shooting phase. It's just going to happen unless you're very lucky. So you need to think about, okay, if this gets whacked, what else can step up to kind of fill its place or what can I be using to kind of counteract that? Cause I feel that's so important with guard is you need to hit hard and hit early. Mm. I think the other thing as well with, with guard is that you're, you're wanting to throw up speed bumps. Like you can actually give up guys to be killed as long as yeah. they stop your enemy getting onto the objective. And I, I can't think yeah. of anything better than a big bob of Walgreens. Like if yeah. you're tying up Mike's custodies, uh, even if the Walgreens die, which quite often they don't, 
you've yeah. actually just tied up a massive proportion of his army that isn't doing what it wants to be doing. Yeah. So I, I would say, against Custodes, I'd say that's an auto-include, and it's a nice... Uh, again, maybe it's just my playstyle, but it's a nice big scary distraction marching yeah. in the middle of the board or to the objectives that uh, okay. can maybe protect a little bit more of your uh, yeah. your kind of backline and yeah. give you a bit more damage output. And then it brings yeah. the priest and the psychers into having a use to, use as well, doesn't it? So I think if I'm doing it again, I'd go for the Inquisitor and the Commissar 30 Conscript Blob, maybe have those Bulgren in there as well and see how many I can get for an equivalent points value for replacing some of the other Conscripts maybe don't need the chimera as much and then plasma the hell out of some scions because then that's a, that is immediately a lot more damage output so i've got the kind of irritating conscript blob the difficult to move and will put out damage ball grin and then the high at damage output scions especially if you're running like three plasma squads they're going to do a lot of work for you definitely well i look forward to facing that on the tabletop soon then hugh so we're going to wrap up there then guys and I think we've covered a lot of ground today. We've talked about uh, recent games. We've talked about what make, makes secondaries good. We've talked a bit about our armies at the minute and where we might go with them in the future. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please do like it. Please do subscribe on Podbean or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you might have found us. That'll be bye from Benedict. Bye. And bye from Hugh. Goodbye. And bye from me. Thank you for listening.